0: Everybody Gay.
1: A queer exploration of pretty little liars.
0: With your hosts, Speak Pirate, aka Joanna. I'm here, I'm queer, and I have a cat named Spencer.
1: And your other host, LCO123, aka Vina, a proud member of the Church of Vander Jesus.
0: Hello, and welcome to Out Damn Spot, an episode in which the liars willingly donate blood despite the fact that they're all being hounded by a faceless, an omnipresent force intent on framing them for crimes.
1: Do you think that they were sad that they'd already used the episode title Blood is the New Black for this for one? Sure.
0: Because I p- actually feel like they could have done, they could have done better with this episode title.
1: I totally agree. And I also forgot that this episode like this episode title I always think is the one where Spencer is in England. Because yes. That's where the blood, the spot of blood actually is more of a thing.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh
1: not so. Not so.
0: Yeah, it's almost like they didn't want to use two episode titles that had blood in them, like one after the other, but they really should have because but, it's appropriate. It's it's thematic at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they definitely should. They definitely should. Yeah, I feel like this is an episode. I said this to you before we started recording, where everyone is a little too quick to forgive. To look uh, right past the red flags, this is a classic "men can get away with every anything and everything" type of episode, but it's also uh, it's got some fun moments. It's got some really fun liar interactions, I think.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a very easy episode to watch, uh, and it's I, I feel like there is an ongoing competition in this episode to see who can be the worst human, and we have three very strong contenders, we'll have to, like, check back in at the end to see who we feel like is actually the worst. But, um, you know, Spencer is tricked into vandalizing Hollis. Mike Montgomery continues to act suspicious as fuck. Um, Andrew and his men's rights baseball bat are in play. <laughs> Tom Marin is is around to be a bad dad. And Talia, of course, is revealed to be both married and terrible. Uh, Silver lining, we see a lot of posters hanging around for the glass slipper pageant coming up next week.
1: Yes, this is one of, I think, if you were going to make a list of like, if you were going to like make a list of like the saddest episodes for each liar, this would definitely go on the Hannah list. This is a (gasps) very, very sad Hannah episode, and I think like one of the things that's both great and also hard is like Hannah is trying so hard in this episode and she's like I'm so proud of Hannah in this episode but it just like the stuff with Hannah is so heartbreaking um and and really I really like this sort of nuanced look into the Ashley Hannah Tom dynamic despite how like utterly horrible Tom is um a question I have for you is do you remember the way that Cyrus came back into the show?
0: Oh my gosh. We'll we'll talk about that when we get there. But I didn't remember that he even existed in this late in the show. I thought the last time we saw him was when he was like in the hospital and A was like wrapped in bandages like a mummy and was like getting up. Or or maybe that's maybe that's actually the next episode. that that happens
1: in yeah that I think that happens soon I had a feeling that you didn't because I kind of remembered this but when we had talked about it you were like oh the next time we see Cyrus he's going to be in bandages and so I was wondering when I was watching it. I was like does Joanna did Joanna remember this development no
0: no I totally I totally didn't in fact I thought the bandage thing had like already happened at this point so no I had I was a pleasant surprise uh it was a pleasant surprise to see him again
1: it was. It was. Well, shall we dive into this uh, bloody, bloody t- good time? I th- we're we're on the verge of doing
0: it. I just do want to mention this episode, one thing I noticed about it was that it has a weird number of setups for the next episode. For, for one that's not like a season ender or a cliffhanger, we have Spencer writing to Melissa, which is going to set up her going yes. abroad in the next episode. And then we have all these flyers for the pageant, which is going to be a big thing for Hannah and Emily next week. Any theories on why that is? Do you think they just needed
1: to fill some time or what's your take? That's a good question. And I mean, all of the blood stuff is basically set Mm -hmm. up as well. Um, Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, you know, who, who knows exactly? I do think that like, this isn't, this is kind of a phenomenon that we'll see at this stage of a season sometimes where it's like, we're getting really close to the climax. And so we just kind of have to get ourselves there. Um, the introduction of Andrew, reintroduction of Andrew, is also a big, like, it's it's like a hat on a hat of a red herring, kind of. Um, yeah, I don't know. Another interesting thing is, like, this is a very, um, there's no Toby and there's no Caleb in this episode, which is, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time we had an episode without either of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't think we have any prezra scenes where they're
1: in the scene together oh interesting right because yeah because because prezra is is setting his sights on emily and hannah in this episode yeah
0: yeah Yeah. they're they're still a little bit strange and it's a very um you know we we had the episode recently where like 15 different scenes took place in the brew just for like the sake of you know kind of consolidating stuff this is a really mobile episode. We get a lot of
1: action yeah. in place
0: in a lot of different locations. Even when everyone is at school we have like the lockers, we have the classroom. We have like a lot of um, like a lot of dynamic locations and locations that we're not necessarily going to get to see again. Um, so I feel like I appreciated you know the feeling of momentum that that gave it.
1: Yeah, it's also a pretty guest star heavy episode. I feel like uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of guests in this episode. It also feels to me like a lot of the pieces that are going to be important going into the time jump are starting to get set in motion here. Like, you know, this is the first episode where we're talking about SCAD, which is where Aria she doesn't I don't think she ends up graduating from there, but that is the school that she ends up going to for part of the time. Um, there's, I I feel like there were a couple of other things that were mentioned, you know, Andrew is going to play heavily into their belief about the end game, you know, dollhouse stuff. Obviously that's a red herring, but, um, yeah, like it, it feels like they're kind of, they're setting, they're setting some pieces in motion that will be important later. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, all right. Well we begin Do we, is there any more intro we want to say or should we start no about- i think yeah, we should just drive. go right into
0: this blood draw
1: so why are the liars donating blood i mean that is like the big question here it's like like i feel like this is like this would be like on buffy if there was like <laughs> a scene where the where where the scoobies were donating blood and you'd be like why are they doing that that's going to like draw the vampires in um They are—the liars are donating blood, all except Emily, who cannot donate blood due to her Haiti trip. Remember that, guys? (laughs) Remember that (laughs) way back in season—end of season two? Um, There's some a little bit of cute banter about how Emily has gotten a cookie, but no blood, no cookie, Spencer tells her, uh, as she proudly shows off her sticker, and Emily hands over the cookie. Uh, Ashley arrives— thanking the liars for being here. It turns out that she organized this blood drive and it seems a bunch of church people canceled last minute. We get a little bit more insight into that when Ashley goes over to talk to Paula, who just is full of like busybody energy. Uh, She coos about how nice it is to see Ashley out and about, how Pastor Ted has seemed distracted, and then says in a very sort of obvious way, we're all so busy these days. Which raises the question, what has Pastor Ted told the congregation? Like, oh, that floozy Ashley Marin, <laughs> you won't agree to marry me. And so none of you should go support her blood drive. Um, also, Paula hands over a poster for this. Uh, what is it called? Like Little Miss Slipper or something? Oh, I think it's
0: the Glass Slipper.
1: The Glass pageant. Slipper Beauty Pageant, which is this new this teen pageant. Um, and is there, we linger on the post, No, it's a now. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the room, Mike is just clattering around over by the blood vials. He's very like Spencer bull in a China shop Hastings here. Uh, the liars are curious if he is stealing the blood. He has some like stupid lie about like, Oh, I'm just so curious about how this all works. Uh, he's kind of shooed on out of there. I, I was finding myself wondering, like, did A somehow hypnotize Ashley into planning this blood drive? Because this all seems to play really well into A's master plan. Because how else would A have gotten their blood were it not for this situation?
0: Well, it's like it, they, they're they sort of acting like, well, Ashley doesn't have a job right now. So, like, did she just take a gig on Craigslist? Like, <laughs> run a blood drive.
1: <laughs> Get paid $10 per mile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get paid $10 for a violin, you know, please deliver
0: one's marked with the liar's names to this address at the A-layer, like, yeah.
1: This would be a good low-key, like, Ashley is on the A-team thing.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes, so, uh, and and also there's a lot of, uh, of scenes in this episode that seem to, like, they end with, someone saying something ominous that ends with the word blood. So it's like, yeah. is Mike
1: stealing cookies or blood?
0: And right. I, I appreciate that every time it happens.
1: Right. I also appreciate, I feel like Troyan is doing a lot of like blood draw acting. Like she's like kind of seems a bit faint in this scene and then she's <laughs> weirdly like really amped up in the next scene. And so I like, I like that it's kind of, there's kind of this sense that, um, you know, that like she's been really impacted by this blood draw. I also, as we're talking about this, I just remembered I had a dream last night that I was at a blood draw. So I think that this this episode worked its way into my subconscious. Yeah.
0: Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, so at the lockers, the liars are concerned that Mike was near the coolers with their blood in them. Uh, Ari insists that it's no good to ask him. He'll just declare it's none of her business. Uh, The liars restate the case against him and repeat that they want to know why he's visiting Allie. Arya defends him ferociously but unpersuasively before huffing off and declaring that she has a math test.
1: Yes, Arya's, like, motive this whole, like, first half of this episode is, like, math test. Math test, math test.
0: (laughs) Which is ironic because, number one, uh, we've never seen Aria in a math class. I don't think we've seen any of the Liars in a math class prior to this. Usually uh, when they're in class, they're in a class that's taught by either Ella or Prezra. Um, but now Aria is in a math class. And not to like skip ahead, but uh, we're going to see that it is an algebra test, which I have a ton of questions about Aria in her senior year of high school being in Algebra. Like, are we sure that her college issues are entirely due to A? What's going on? But then Andrew is in here too. And he's like a a smarty pants who's on the decathlon team. He's like, you know, uh, an academic, like Spencer type person. So I don't know why they're all in algebra senior year, but this is a puzzle.
1: This is definitely, this is definitely a puzzle. Um, Aria seems like somebody who would not be very good at math. Like, that's, I agree. that's the vibe that I get from her. But Andrew seems like he would be very good at math, uh, as evidenced by the next scene when Aria is staring at her math test, staring at the clock. She clearly has, like, no clue what any of these answers are. Uh, Andrew, weirdly, is holding up his answer sheet like he wants her to look at it. Like, he's kind of holding it like the way you, like, look through a $100 bill to see if it's counterfeit or not. Um, and Aria is just kind of like, well, don't mind if I do, and peeks on over to start writing down all of his answers in a very obvious Aria way. Yes,
0: yes. So not only is Aria not in like calculus or trig or at least pre-calc, not only is she not in any of those classes, she's in algebra and she doesn't know how to do algebra yet. So it's, 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 concerning. it's She's having a time.
1: Yes, she is having a time. It is deeply concerning.
0: Uh, So Hannah runs up to Spencer back out in the hallway, and she wants to talk about college stuff, even though it is a touchy subject. Um, Spencer kind of like says, just ask whatever the question is. And the question is that Hannah got into all these schools, but no one is giving her financial aid. Some of them cost $45,000 a year, and her mom can't afford that. Um, So Spencer takes a look, and this leads to the reveal, uh, as they're talking, that Ashley quit her job, which Spencer previously didn't know about. Um, after Spencer looks at all the forms from Ballard, she gives Hannah the bad news. They don't think that her mom can pay, but based on his income, they think that her dad can.
1: Yeah, and the way that Hannah reacts, it's like she just remembered that she has a dad. Like, I she's mean, like, she basically doesn't. Right, exactly. Like, her eyes go wide and she's like... Yeah, you know, like it's and understandably, I mean, Tom Tom Marin on a show full of absent parents, Tom Marin kind of takes the cake here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so out in the hallway, this is a very gross scene that I feel like is not played as gross as it is. But um, Andrew accosts Aria for copying his answers. Aria sort of lightly apologizes, blurting out that she got a conditional admission into Savannah. And she, and uh, you know, it's, this is like, everything is falling apart and she needs this. She needs to get into this college, but he offers to be her tutor because damaged girls are clearly his thing. Uh, And when she says she doesn't really need that and kind of apologizes again, he threatens to tell it unless he, she agrees for him to be her tutor. Now, one of the weirdest things about this is that Arya does not, I mean, I guess it's not weird because, you know, Prezra, but like Arya does not at all act like, wow, it's weird. And like, there's a lot of implication involved with this guy basically blackmailing me into spending time with him. Like, this is kind of, he's like buff Lucas. Like, this is like a weird Lucas situation. Um, she's just like, yes, sure. You can be my tutor. And he smiles creepily.
0: Yes. Also, it's weird because later when they're together and they're doing the tutoring, it's like her issue is that she cheated off of him during a math test. But like apparently Aria is just hopelessly behind in every subject because he's going to be like tutoring her in physics and like history. And yeah, there's a lot going on here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird.
0: Yeah. Like definitely one of his like men's rights things is believing that men should be able to mansplain the world to Aria Montgomery.
1: Yes, I agree. Um, also, question, does Andrew have better chemistry with Spencer or with Aria?
0: Ooh, tough call. Um, I think I'm going to go with Spencer just because Troyan has chemistry with everyone.
1: Yeah, I was going to go Spencer too. I also just, like, I feel like the, that whole era of the show is more fun but also just, like, I know we talked about it at the time, but, like, the whole business of, like, the, you know, sexual politics of the decathlon team were just endlessly fascinating to me.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. I definitely agree.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh,
0: um, Oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> so,
0: Emily and Talia are riding their bikes near a lake. Emily is is rhapsodizing about flying downhill with your feet on your pedals. And I'm wondering if biking is the new swimming, AKA the code for queer sex during the de-gayified era. Um, They arrive at a spot and leave their bikes totally unlocked, which seems unwise uh, as they promptly walk out of sight. So that Talia can talk about her first kiss with some kid who burped and how she wants a do-over. Uh, then she asks Emily, what's her biggest fear? A question that Emily is not emotionally prepared to answer on this, you know, kind of lighthearted date situation. Uh, and then Talia does an apex Presra predator move when she says that's okay. She has things she's not ready to talk about either. Um, this is like, she just like set up a false equivalence that is she's going to be leaning on for like the rest of her time here. Um, Emily decides that they should just kiss, which they do for all of two and a half seconds. Um, I am just gonna point out that this is not the only time in this episode that Emily leaves her bike totally unlocked. I kind of think that A might steal Emily's bike probably six times in this episode. And just like Emily just must keep taking other people's bikes who happen to be like left near where hers was last seen.
1: I could totally see Emily doing something like that. That would seem very Emily. Yeah, I felt like this whole setup, like the lake, the music, the bikes, like it all felt like, like Mad Libs, like lesbian movie kind of thing. Like it just, it felt really kind of, I don't know. Like it felt, it felt like a, like a, um, what is the, um, is it what Naomi and Emily from skins? Like it felt like kind of, like, a trying to do a version of that or, like, a version of probably some, like, Willow and terra scene, you know? Like, it's, like, this is just... This is just... The, the lack of creativity is really something here. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs>
0: Actually, it's funny. It reminded me of the episode of uh, the original Gossip Girl where uh, Blair is in the Hamptons and she has, like... She has some, like, Euro-trash boyfriend and they're, like, just there's this like long scene where they have bikes, but they're not riding them. They're just like walking their bikes through a park <laughs> in the Hamptons. And it's like, is this what rich people do? Do they just like walk their bicycles for for show?
1: They actually don't even know how to ride them. It's just like all the <laughs> thing. Um, Yeah, I took the same note though about Talia. Like this is some A plus Prezra stuff. Also, even the like, we're going to go on a date in a private place where there's nobody else around. I'm going to ask you a question you're in no way emotionally prepared for, and then sort of, you know, do this. We have, you know, I have secrets to thing. Like it's, it's, it's weird. It's super weird. Um, yeah. Talia is just, she's a creep. She's a real. Well, yeah.
0: It, it's really an if then. So if you're not prepared to answer this question that is like actually kind of a big question for me to be asking like yeah. if if I make it so that like you're kind of committing a faux pas by not answering that question then I can just have so many questions that I don't answer because that's what we do we don't answer
1: questions around here it's it's super sketch it's super super sketch totally great um, so we go from this, like, kind of, you know, there's like, I feel like there's like some soft, like, lesbian rock playing in the background. Like, it's all very, you know, it's like the daytime. It's all like sunshine and all of that to Ashley <laughs> sitting in the car <laughs> drinking alone, uh, looking, you know, like she has been like road hard and put away wet. Poor Ashley Marin. Uh, <laughs> Hannah arrives home, and we learn that Ashley has talked to Ted. She told him that she loves him and she does want to marry him, but she also told him about Jason. Ted said that he needed to think and he would call her, but he couldn't even look at her and he has not called her. He's really just, he leaves her twisting in the wind this whole episode. Uh, Hannah offers to make dinner. She quickly tucks away, clearly preparing to have a conversation about Um, and then like, you know, once again, this is all framed as like Ashley as the terrible woman, as she's like, he deserves. I mean, the amount of times in these past few episodes that Ashley has said some version of like, he deserves better, he deserves more, he's such a good man. Um, it's it's really it's really something.
0: It it truly is.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um and so next we have Aria who's on the phone with Spencer uh, and just, Aria is like trying to play a card of, well, remember when you thought Melissa was A and that was wrong? Um, she promises to keep an eye on Mike if Spencer will promise not to jump to conclusions. Spencer's ambivalent about this, but is distracted uh, by the frozen dinner that she's making for herself, seeing as how Toby canceled their plans. Uh, Aria has no plans with Presra either, since she's staying in to prepare for a study session with Andrew, Spencer tells her to be careful of his dimples, mostly. Uh, This is actually pretty cute. And if we have to say whether Andrew has more chemistry with Spencer or Aria, I think they have the most chemistry with each other, particularly in this moment. Um, Also the Hastings have so much money, their microwave is like underneath the counter to the point that Spencer has to crouch down
1: I know. It's, it's weird. 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 <laughs>
0: weird. Uh, but this shot is probably only set up like that so that Spencer can be surprised by the sudden appearance of Johnny, garbage artist.
1: Yeah. Um. I feel like this is some old school, like, Sparia, like, proxy flirting through the phone about a boy, but, like, actually flirting with each other. Like, this reminded me of... um. When Presria were first dating and Spencer always wanted like all the horny details. Um, also like Aria telling Spencer, don't jump to conclusions. Like this is Spencer you're <laughs> talking about. All she does is jump to conclusions. Um, also, also Aria is holding her phone upside down through this whole scene. <laughs> oh,
0: Aria. That's so Aria.
1: That's so Aria. Uh, So I just, in my notes, I started referring to Johnny Garbage Artist as G.A.J. through this episode. So uh, if I ever accidentally refer to him as Gadge, that's why. Okay. Uh, But uh, Johnny Garbage Artist is suddenly in the kitchen and just starts rifling on through the Hastings fridge. Uh, When Spencer sort of lightly calls him out on that, he doesn't really respond to that, instead pivoting to talk about Toby. Uh, He rather sort of, dismissively refers to Kobe's cop stuff uh Spencer seems a bit bummed and Johnny says that he is painting a mural at Hollis he invites her to join him uh she talks about the how she is supposed to be writing these emails to get her connected in with some college folks he's kind of again dismissive about that and promises a real dinner if she comes with him
0: yeah I think that it's uh kind of telling that he makes no apologies or explanations for why he is in their house uninvited and yeah. rooting through their fridge and Spencer is just like well you know there are creepy men in my kitchen all the time this is just one more
1: right yeah she's been completely numbed to it I also think it's super it's setting up a super weird dynamic that rather than Johnny – because later we find out that, like, the the mac and cheese that Spencer made was Johnny's. And first of all, why is he keeping food in the Hastings fridge? But But, okay, for whatever reason. Let's say the fridge in the barn is broken. Whatever. I think it's so weird and, like, sets up such a weird dynamic that rather than doing the normal human thing of being like, <laughs> oh, hey, by the way, like, no worries, but I've been putting some food in the fridge. That actually is mine. Like – don't worry about it just like so you know for next time. Instead it creates this weird thing where it's like you've taken this thing of mine. I'm not going to tell you about it. And then I'm going to like create this weird situation where then you feel like retroactively guilty for this thing that I didn't even give you a heads up about.
0: Yeah, I mean, Johnny and Talia are both making a strong case for being the worst human in the episode.
1: And we haven't even gotten to Tom Maron yet.
0: Exactly. There's a, it's, a, it's a tight competition.
1: Well, Andrew's pretty bad, too. I mean, I think that move he pulled with Aria, it's kind of similar to the mac and cheese thing. Like, I think that that's a really, really weird move.
0: Hmm. So over at Aria's, a cell phone is ringing, but it's not hers. It's Mike's, hidden under some nearby papers. Aria sees that it's a blocked call and, of course, picks it up. It's an operator saying to hold for a call from an inmate at a correctional facility named Hank Mahoney. But Aria also thinks it's clearly Allison, especially because she says, Allison, Allison, when the call comes through and whoever is on the other end of the phone hangs up.
1: This is a classic Aria being bad at mystery stuff thing. Because if she just had stayed quiet, I'm guess the person would have started talking, but instead she just starts shouting, Allison? Allison? A voice that's like not even pretending to be Mike's voice. Like it's obviously her. And it's like, Aria, you could have like actually gotten some decent information for this. Yeah,
0: yeah. But again, that's so Aria.
1: That's so Aria. Uh, So it is now nighttime and Spencer and garbage artist Johnny are over at Hollis. It is immediately sketchy because it is like they're in the dark and like none of his equipment seems really above board. They're in this like weird sketchy part of Hollis that nobody goes to. But he starts like he has all these explanations about, you know, this way he doesn't disturb the students She asks how he would have done this alone because there's a ladder situation involved. And he starts blabbering about his ex-girlfriend and being into unavailable women and how he's just terrible at relationships. Uh, He says he's here to revitalize this side of campus while Spencer waxes poetic about her former aspirations of becoming a violinist. Uh, And then says a line that is very astute in the Hastings family. If you don't excel at something, you just move on to the next thing. Now, Johnny is a garbage person, undoubtedly. But I do like that he is introducing the idea to Spencer of doing something because you love it, not because you're good at it. I don't like that he's the one who introduces this to her, but I'm glad that at least somebody is talking to her about it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree. Um, and, and also the way that she says, how can you love something if you're not good at it?
1: Which is yeah. like,
0: oh, Spencer, my heart breaks for you here.
1: Yeah, Absolutely.
0: Well, the next scene sure does open like it's going to be on Pornhub. Uh, we have shirtless Mike Montgomery lifting weights, his sweaty hair uh, kind of coming down over his face. Aria pounds on the door saying that she knows he's in there. He opens the door and she demands to know why Allison is calling him. Who is Hank Mahoney? He tells her not to answer his phone next time. She insists that she knows he got in a fight with Mona the night before she died and that something is going on and he needs to tell her about it ASAP. Uh, Aria is like, she's coming in at an 11 here, Like she is just like flapping all around. Uh, She's, and she's just like, she's just like throwing out every piece of information that she thinks she has telling Mike way, way more than Mike is telling her. Um, She's not doing very well as an interrogator here. Um, Mike says he doesn't need to tell her anything. Uh, What an enormous indictment of the Montgomery family that despite worrying that Mike isn't over his head, uh, that he could be an accomplice to a criminal activity, that he could be helping Allison try to frame the liars for crimes. It does not cross Aria's mind for even one single second to involve her parents, who haven't been seen or heard from in weeks anyway, I guess. Um, out of sight, out of mind. But anyway, Mike ends up slamming the door in Arya's face.
1: Do you think that they were trying to do a misdirect of, like, Mike might be on steroids? Because the way that this scene opens with him, like, pumping iron and his, like, ripped, oiled-up chest, and he's, like... Way more risk than it was the last time we saw him. And I know that it's because, like, Cody Christian, I think, was on, like, Teen Wolf at this point and was, like, mm-hmm. playing a w- werewolf, I guess. But um, it's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it it is it is very porn-hubby. Um,
0: I think that, actually, this is also just basically a setup for next week's episode. Because next week's episode is going to involve some kind of, like, attempted
1: murder with his weightlifting bench or something sure of course makes <laughs> sense or like he's scared and so he's gotten buff like yeah be protective sure. or something cody christian does sound like a gay porn star name i'm just it does. saying it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah um i mean him and no con we don't know what they get up to in their spare time they might or or him and andrew i mean
0: andrew's hanging out here a lot right now
1: that is true that is true holden you know i mean yeah Uh, There's a lot of possibilities. Um, So Hannah is on the phone with Caleb chatting about Mike. Uh, Maybe it's Caleb. Who knows? Uh, When Ashley walks in, uh, Ashley has heard that Hannah has reached out to Tom asking if he can do lunch. Of course, he can't do lunch. He's much too busy and important. Uh, Hannah informs Ashley about the college financial situation and argues that Tom should take on the extra expense But Ashley says that all of that was figured out a long time ago. Tom won't be any help and she will figure it out. Uh, She does not want Hannah blabbing around to anybody that she has lost her job or the circumstances as to why. We are back to our yearly scheduled the Marins are having money troubles era. Oh,
0: man. Um, Yeah, so much for all that money that was in lasagna box.
1: Right. Yep. You know, can't last forever, I guess.
0: Well, now we're in for an awkward exchange of information. (laughs) Emily (laughs) is sweeping up at the brew and Presra is once more cosplaying the busy businessman, busy with busy works. He asks Emily some leading questions about how she and Talia seem to be getting along much better. Wink, wink. Uh, Emily mentions Aria getting in to SCAD uh, to change the subject and Prezra obviously didn't know. And so he like takes a second to get kind of a pouty mouth about that. Uh, as Emily is trying to extricate herself from that unfortunate situation, uh, she catches sight of Talia's employment file, just happens to be sitting out and asks why it's under Mendoza given that Talia's last name is Sandoval. uh, He suggests it could be her married name. Lots of women use their maiden names professionally. Prezra explains. Uh, Emily insists that Talia is not married, but Prezra says she is. Her husband is listed as her emergency contact. Oh no.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a real. Oh no moment. Also. I don't feel like Prezra as the boss should just be, like, talking about all of this with Emily. The
0: Brew is in dire need of HR. I mean, I have been putting Talia on progressive discipline for several weeks, but again, like, just having the employee files just out for, like, really no reason, just, like, just because you want to look like you're fucking busy. So he's just, like, got them out there, and then he's, like, opening them up and telling Emily about Talia's emergency contact and her marital situation. This is, yes, this is a, a very serious violation. I assume that the reason the brood does not have HR is because Prezra doesn't want there to be anyone to complain to when he is hitting on all of his underage team workers.
1: And it really does seem like he's trying to get Emily to, like, tell him the dirty deets of, like, her and Talia. You yes. know, like, it's it's really it's really gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is a very awkward scene. And also, I feel like um, these two, like, I don't really enjoy scenes between these two. Like, Like, I feel like scenes between, like, Prezra and Spencer are always fun because, like, Spencer clearly hates Prezra and is so much smarter than him. I feel like scenes between Prezra and Hannah are fun because Hannah is kind of a little bit able to, like, call him out on stuff. I feel like these two, I'm just like, I don't need to see you interact ever.
0: Yeah. I think that that's, I think that that's pretty valid. I do. I I think that Emily wishes that she didn't have to interact with him as much as she does for work. Like, especially when she's physically trying to like sweep her way out of the scene. Uh, I do, I, I do think that her physical comedy there is, is pretty good.
1: I agree. And actually, I said I never need to see them interact. I do like the scene where she says, make sure a real teacher gets this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Spencer is up on the ladder at Hollis admiring garbage artist Johnny's work. Is it? I like it's he's he's spray painting something. Is it like bunnies?
0: It's like bunnies and animals. Yeah, like bunnies and baby animals is what it looks like.
1: Okay. Um, he tosses her a spray can and convinces her to paint something. Uh, we, she does something that we weirdly don't see. I thought it was odd that they didn't show us exactly what she painted. Um, she then, it's a classic. She falls off the ladder and into his arms. Uh, and you know, there's like a moment that is supposed to be chemistry. Uh, yeah. He like goes back up on the ladder to fix her work as he condescendingly puts it. And you know, she's seems a bit flustered. It's, this is all annoying in that it forces Spencer to be like naive and charmed by this guy in a way that I just don't really buy or like want for the character.
0: Yeah. And when we were talking about like, you, you felt like the Emily Talia riding bikes scene was like a mad libs of like what, what two women would do on a date. This is like very much a paint by numbers Straight romance situation. She yeah. falls off a ladder right into his arms. Like, for I mean, definitely, uh, definitely, we had some scenarios that were being phoned in this week.
1: Well, it's also like it, to me, this whole storyline is a little bit reminiscent of what's going on with Ashley and Ted and Jason, where it's like clearly Spencer and Toby are not happy together, clearly, Ashley is not happy with Ted but like rather than doing the more like interesting thing of having the character realize that and like break it off or like try to, you know, explore what it is they do want or communicate with each other, you know, for god's sake, I know that that's like sacrilegious on this show. Um they just like introduce this third edge of the triangle to be kind of this like lazy crowbar to split them up. <laughs> and I actually weirdly think weirdly considering that they're all like less major characters than Spencer, that there's more nuance in the Ashley, Ted, Jason triangle than in this Johnny, Toby, Spencer triangle.
0: Well, yeah, because Jason's an actual character, whereas Johnny is just a walking pile of trash.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's an egg in human form.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, mike has a sleeveless shirt on now and is messaging someone on the computer um it's hank mahoney and mike is saying that she told him what to bring and he'll have it tomorrow what time hank says he'll be in touch mike goes over to his mini fridge and pulls out a can of one of his protein drinks carefully he unscrews the top and reveals a vial of blood dun 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 (laughs)
1: How great would it be if Hank was just Mike's gay lover and like Emily and Aria just like accidentally crashed a date?
0: I mean, it could, it could be. It is not outside the realm of possibility at all.
1: It's true. It's very true. So it is now the morning time and Spencer is very upset as she marches across the yard to confront garbage artist Johnny with the paper, which reveals the their little In fact, he smirks and is genuinely a jerk about the whole thing. Clearly delighted for the press. Uh, she is not, she says that, she says, I'm all for protest art, which is like kind of hilarious coming out of like waspy Spencer's mouth. You know, it's like, it's, it reminded me of, of when she was talking about the funeral and she was like, it was ghastly, you know, <laughs> like, okay, Spencer, like tell me what protest art you've like been exposed to. Um, But she is not for getting tricked into doing something illegal. He says that he thought she'd enjoyed coloring outside the lines for once. Uh, She says that, you know, she can't do that because she was wanted for murder recently. In all of garbage artist Johnny's apparent research on the town of Rosewood, how did he never find out that Spencer had been in Radley, been in rehab and been in jail for murder?
0: Plus, his mom is friends with Veronica, so <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I I think that that is completely that's that's totally unlikely, especially because he knew that Allison was on trial for Mona's murder. He knew that last week when they were talking about the exactly. the missing persons flyer. So the idea that he had no idea Spencer had previously been accused of anything that's you know sure, Jan.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Oh. Um, Aria and Andrew are studying, and it now seems that Aria's academic issues are actually extending to history, math, and science.
1: Uh, he <laughs> oh dear. asks
0: Which one she needs to work on the most, and then makes a remark about how Fitz must not be great at math and science, or Aria could just ask him for help, right? Uh, this is like further evidence of Andrew just being gross. Like, like it's not it doesn't seem to me like it's a coincidence that when Spencer is vulnerable uh, in terms of, you know, the decathlon and and kind of being destabilized in her home life, that that's when he tends to pop up uh, in, in Spencer's world, or when Spencer is like going down a bad path of like addiction to pills and stuff, who's right there, but you know, Andrew Campbell. Uh, And now here Aria is like having kind of a, a rough time with, her predator man friend and with her school stuff. And here's Andrew sitting on her couch. He's like, he's like doing everything, but like the fake yawn where he'll put his arm around her. Like you (laughs) you just, you just sense that that's like seconds away. Um, Aria doesn't want to talk about fits and suggests that they stick to the books. Uh, And then as Andrew tries to explain some physics concepts, Aria's phone keeps distracting her with texts from Hannah asking about Mike. Andrew sees them and says that it seems like someone must be worried about her brother. Now for one, Andrew has put his finger on the fact that Aria cannot go to her predator boyfriend to help because he's so busy being terrible. But also her mom is a teacher at the school, another person for Aria to possibly get help from, but who is randomly absent. Uh, Third, this part of this vignette includes when Andrew takes Arya's phone away from her and reads her messages without permission, which really speaks to like volumes about his feelings about women and control.
1: Oh, completely. And he, he clearly thinks that this is going to like turn into a tussle where they fall on the floor and end up making out, you know, Yes. Um, he's, he's planning his own like girl falling off a ladder into his arms scenario. Um, However, like Andrew is terrible, but anytime we get a little window of insight into the way non-liar students <laughs> understand the Presria relationship, I'm always delighted because it's so clearly like Arya and, and Ezra act like it's like, oh, this like secret, nobody knows. Da, da, da. And it's so clear that they're so bad at that. And like everybody knows. And I do really love that choice.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: I also like when any character refers to Prezra as Fitz. Like it just, it's it's like kind of like demeaning in this weird way that I enjoy.
0: Well, yeah, because he would have been Mr. Fitz when he was their teacher, but they're all like, well, huh, yeah, huh.
1: Fitz. Yeah. yeah, you don't get that, Mr. Sir. Um, Talia is making some kind of weird dessert that looks blueberry adjacent uh, when she takes a spoon out of it to bring to Emily's mouth and you know what? There's such bad, just general badness in this establishment. I would not be surprised if she was planning to put that spoon right back <laughs> to the very <laughs> that she's making after putting it in Emily's mouth. Like, that's how on things are, you know? I um, disagree. Right? Emily, though, she is not having it. She gives Talia the cold shoulder for like all of 30 seconds before snapping about how she knows that Talia is married. And they sort of have their own version of the Presria ski lift moment where Emily yells about why didn't Talia tell her this? She had so many opportunities. How could she have done this? Presra, like his, you know, predator predator alert is tingling here. He's like, oh, is a fellow predator getting called out? Like the code of predators means that I have to like step in and intervene. And so he walks in, and Emily storms out,
0: yeah, isn't that something? Um, presumably he has appeared just to give Talia some tips for salvaging a situation where you're a predator who's been lying from the jump since that's kind of his specialty,
1: yeah. He's like, if you could arrange getting shot, Talia, like in a non <laughs> way it it'll do wonders.
0: Oh, man. Also, I'm so glad that you got to talk about that scene, because uh, I think you're right. I think it is blueberry adjacent, but I just had it down as an unknown purplish dessert sauce. (laughs)
1: Like that works, too.
0: Like a grape mousse or whatever that she's trying to, like, (laughs) press on Emily.
1: Grape mousse sounds really disgusting. I feel like when you said that, like, my stomach just turned a little bit. Um,
0: so over at an industrious office of industry, uh, you know that Tom Marin is important because he has an office with a door, an assistant, a waiting area, and a placard that declares he is the CFO, who is all dressed up and sitting in the waiting area, his forgotten daughter, Hannah. Hello, Daddy, she says.
1: It kills me that Hannah like dressed up like she's going to an interview because like that's how she feels like she has to present herself to her dad. Like this is not this might be even like a, a jacket that she borrowed from Spencer that she's wearing here. And like it kills me that she clearly feels like she can't just be her normal Hannah self to show up here.
0: Well, and that it's an occasion like she needs an appointment. And her dad won't. Yes. Give her
1: one. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So Emily is angrily biking away from the brew. Emily is all just like you said, like bikes are just her only mode of transportation in this episode. Uh, When she spots Mike and quickly stops her bike to not at all subtly look at him at an ATM, Uh, he gets a bunch of cash and leaves the receipt, which is some very sloppy work, Mike. Uh, She runs up to uh, check the receipt, seeing that he has withdrawn $400 from an account that has $18,000 in it. Is this his OnlyFans account?
0: (laughs) A really excellent question. Also, this is another instance of Emily not locking her bike. She just leaves it, like, in the street with the kickstand down, I guess. And just, like... The crime rate in Rosewood is just such that there are a lot of murders. but your bike, it's fine.
1: Totally, totally. Don't worry about that bike.
0: (laughs) Also, uh, I had a a curiosity here, uh, which is going to be answered later. Like, did Emily, like, was her shift done? And we're going to find out later that the answer is no. She just got mad at Talia and just left work (laughs) and biked away to go on this new
1: adventure. I know. I have the same question. I was like... Did she just like stomp on out of there? Did she throw an <laughs> apron at someone and yell "cover for Cover me"? Cover for me! That poor long-suffering redheaded girl who doesn't have a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, <sighs>
0: so uh, Arya and Andrew are doing their best to have some kind of moment. Uh, as she teases him about his many activities, and they sort of flirt over how healthy and normal his life is uh they're interrupted by emily who is just cock blocking andrew every time he gets close to hooking up with one of the wires i really love that you can kind of see like relief on emily's face That oh at least this time he's not in his underwear
1: (laughs) at least this time aria's bra is still on (laughs) Uh,
0: anyway emily has biked over here in a hurry to talk to aria about mike
1: Yes. Um. Yeah, I always find it interesting when Arya can acknowledge how unhealthy her life is, but, like, doesn't seem to think she has any agency over that. Like, she's just like, oh, it's just a foregone conclusion that, like, my life is deeply unhealthy. And it's like, well, the A stuff maybe you don't have control <laughs> over. But, like, there are other choices that you could make, Arya, around, like, some major pieces of your life. Like, Yeah
0: for sure and it's also it's very weird that the show in this in this period where they're trying to like you know kind of like skirt around the edges of like Arya missed out on a lot of high school experiences cuz she was dating this predator man um, but they're like their shorthand for that seems to be Arya didn't participate in lots of clubs
1: yes <laughs> yes, yes. Like nothing about like her mental health, her like connection with her community, her like ability to pursue things she was like, darn, she didn't make Latin club. What a bummer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's like Aria didn't do any clubs. How sad. What does Andrew have going for him? Lots of (laughs) club participation.
1: And therefore, he is a normal and healthy teen. The yes. other thing that I think is really weird is that we know that part of the reason why Andrew might be involved in all of these things is due to an amphetamine addiction, which goes completely unacknowledged here. Like, it's it was unclear to me ever whether... Andrew, like, he did have a prescription, but there also seemed to be the vibe that he was abusing amphetamines to a certain degree, that he was, like, taking more than he should to stay up. And so it's really weird how, like, Arya's like, how do you have time to do all of these things? And it's like, because of the study, but we, like, we're not talking about more. It's really strange. Um, But anyway, out on the porch, where I feel like all of Emily and Arya's big talks happen— um. Our Emily is filling Aria in on the whole thing with the cash and how she thinks it might be A-related because A always has access to lots of cash. Uh, Aria mentions the phone call from Allison uh, and, you know, the Hank Mahoney and what that could be about. Just then, Mike has taken the car. I Like, Mike just appeared. Nobody saw him. And he took the car and left, I suppose. Uh, they decide that it's time to follow. LOL at the image of Arya riding on Emily's handlebars. They burst back in and casually ask Andrew if they can borrow his car, which killed me. Uh, Andrew asks if either of them drives stick, which I feel like there's a missed opportunity for a lesbian joke there. But you know, I guess I guess they figured that you know Faith. Faith covered that territory in uh, Buffy years prior.
0: That's like the number one thing I think a queer person thinks about when they hear uh, they hear that line.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. It's like if you need to know if somebody is queer, you just like say that line to them, and you see how they react.
0: <laughs> um. Also, LOL. When we saw Mike going away from the ATM, he was on his skateboard. So it's like he like he like rolled up on his skateboard, but super quietly, like I he didn't hear that. <laughs> They didn't see him, and then he just took the car.
1: Yeah, yeah, love that.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, So Tom Marin is impressed by all the good schools Hannah got into. She hasn't decided which one to go to yet due to needing to figure out how to pay for them. That is why she's here. He tries to kind of, like, lean back on the agreement he has with Ashley, and Hannah cuts him off. She's the one asking, not her mom. He says he'll contribute 10,000 a year. That's what he's contractually obligated to do. And then, like, just to kind of rub salt in the wound, he says Kate is going to Dartmouth and he can't put two kids through private school. What a piece of shit this man is. He blames Hannah, claiming he didn't even know she wanted to go to college, which is due to his complete lack of involvement in her life and not her fault at all. Uh, Anyway, he grumbles and ultimately refuses to budge. Hannah leaves. And my main consolation is that Tom Marin is unquestionably going to die alone.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I love that, you know, he's like, well, the last time the last time we talked about college, you know, you you had no interest. Like you would have blown the money on like an expensive pair of shoes or something. And she's like, the last time we talked about college, I was 12 and you didn't even know about Kate. You know, you'd never even heard of Kate. Like, I feel like um, Hannah does get some good lines in here. Like when she leaves with, you know, you don't want to disappoint the wrong daughter. Uh, it's, It's really good. But yeah, this is just, this is so heartbreaking for Hannah. And like Tom just, he never fails to disappoint. And it's like anytime there's some little flicker of hope inside Hannah that maybe he'll come through in some small way. He just extinguishes it so fast.
0: Well, this, this, like, boosts my theory that Tom Marin actually does not have money, that he's, like, either yeah. running a pyramid scheme or he's, like, hiding his money away in, like, offshore accounts or he's embezzling. Because he never, like, he's supposed to be this big old money bag, but he never has funds for anything that the Marins need. He can't help save their mortgage, he, or he won't help save their mortgage. Right. Um, he won't help with Ashley's bail. He can't help with Ashley's bail. Uh, and now he can't, won't pay for Hannah to go to college. So for for such an ostensibly uh, wealthy individual, uh, I mean, maybe he's just greedy. Maybe he's just a narcissist. He certainly is those things, but he seems conveniently cash poor uh, whenever whenever someone actually needs money from him.
1: That's a really good point. And also he uses the dollars and cents line and later Ashley will say like, "Oh yeah, this is like his line. This is his mm-hmm. go-to line." So yeah, that that does that does make sense. Maybe he's like involved in some weird like religious organization where like they have all of his money and he doesn't have access to it. Like maybe he's like in Scientology or something. But
0: it could be anything. I just feel like he is he's never on the up and up. We know that.
1: Yeah. Um so Spencer is emailing slash narrating her email to Melissa in the dark. She's basically like, hey, sorry, I owed you more of an email. I owed you more of a connection. Uh, LOL. Like, it's like she she, it is not much of an email here. Um, But basically, the long and short of it is that Ren has a contact at Oxford and Spencer is, uh, you know, clearly desperate for it. Uh, Although, when she clicks out of the email, she sort of smiles ruefully at the vandalism article.
0: Oh, Spencer. (laughs) I know. Uh, So, Aria and Emily are chasing Mike with Andrew driving them and have texted Spencer to meet them there. Where? Do they know where they're going? (laughs) They're still chasing him. Uh, Andrew is asking questions such as, do you often follow your brother places? What's going on with him that you're so worried about? And Emily uh, Emily actually comes up with a good lie here and says it's drugs, <laughs> stimulants, amphetamines, etc." cetera. Um, Aria is like scandalized that Emily said that, but like, it's clearly a believable cover story. Um, Mike pulls over and they stop slightly behind him. Uh, They tell Andrew they're good. He can go to batting practice, but he sits in the car looking concerned.
1: Yes, they've stopped at Jonah's, which claims to have the best rhubarb pie in town. Um, Yeah, I feel like all roads lead back to weird pie diners. (laughs)
0: I i am glad that you saw on the sign that it has a name, because I was just calling it the Meaty McMeat Diner, a place where the New York Times has definitely sent reporters to interview voters about 2016.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like your description more. Um, also, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, I feel like, yes, especially in retrospect, Andrew is sure asking a lot of questions, but also... The liars are acting so sketchy that you can't really blame him for being like, so, what's going
0: on here? I, I mean, I feel like you cannot reasonably draft someone in to being your chase driver and then, like, not give any info on why you're tailing someone. Like, you could do that if it's like a movie where you, like, hop into a cab and say, like, Follow that car, like follow that bird, you know, whatever you've got going on. Like that's fine. You're in like a, a paid driving situation. Andrew is just someone who they've roped into this chase. And I, I do kind of think it's reasonable for him to like wonder what exactly they're doing.
1: Agreed. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, so while oh, we're you gonna say I was something?
0: just gonna say it's also funny that you brought up whether Andrew has an amphetamine addiction. Uh, And so maybe he's actually thinking, oh, business
1: opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a hookup. New hookup. I like it. Um, Yeah. So while Andrew waits in the car, you know, presumably looking for the new hookup, uh, Emily and Aria walk in to see Mike meeting with, bum, 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 somebody who introduces himself as Hank Mahoney. But this is somebody who we know as Cyrus Petrillo. A.K.A. Allie's fake kidnapper, as Emily helpfully reminds us, this is not necessarily a character that we really needed or expected to see back, but it is kind of an interesting twist. Mike pulls out a pack of something, could be cash, could be blood, could be drugs, uh, and these two are, uh, you know, doing a little, a little exchanging here.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, First of all, LOL to the fact that they give Arya the line of that's Hank Mahoney just to set up Emily being able to say, no, it's Cyrus Petrillo, Ali's fake kidnapper, just in case the audience did not remember who he was. Um, I Like we talked about at the beginning, I forgot we ever saw Cyrus again in this particular half season. And also, when I was looking it up to see if this was the same actor as before, um, I hilariously discovered that this guy was also on Chicago Fire as the villain who captures Severide. He, like, kidnaps Severide's sister. So not only is Talia later on Chicago Fire, but also Cyrus, like, matriculates over there as well.
1: It's the PLL Chicago Fire Cinematic Universe, I think.
0: Apparently so.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is.
0: Huh. Um, ugh, ugh. The unusual character combos have gone too far, I say, <laughs> because Hannah wanders into the brew looking for Emily, uh, who indeed left work early due to being upset about Talia and deciding to tail Mike. Uh, so Emily is not around, but Prez Rusher sure is. <laughs> uh, the man who has no time for his own teen girlfriend, sure does have time for her vulnerable crying teenage bestie. Um, Hannah tells him about her dad and the money and how she really just wanted her dad to say that he knew she had it in her. Um, Prezra uses this shocker as an opportunity to talk about himself and how he allegedly put himself through college by working as a hot dog Okay, remember how he sold that fancy ass car to his brother for thousands of dollars? I'm just saying he has always been a poor little rich boy. He has never lacked her resources a day in his life. And then he tells Hannah that he used to be her teacher and they always knew he always knew that she had it in her. Uh, gosh, he sure is paying a lot of attention to Emily and Hannah lately for no reason, just coincidence, I'm sure. Not trying to still keep tabs on the liars. No, no, not at all.
1: Also, it's not like we have like we ever saw a scene of Prezra being like, "Hannah, you've got it in you." You know, like I, I believed in you all along. Like they have shared scenes together before, but I, I feel like he's always actually been really condescending to her.
0: Uh, well, I feel like their most notable scenes before were when he was giving her an extension on that essay and then going over to Ashley's house and acting like they had a big problem because Hannah's essay was late due to him wanting to snoop in Hannah's room.
1: Yeah. And like rifle through her underwear drawer or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. it. This is, this is another character combo that like you said, like it has gone too far. <laughs> it has gone too far. Uh, so Spencer has arrived for, a little uh, duck routine with Emily and Aria. Always fun when the liars have to duck behind something. Uh, they think that Mike has brought Cyrus slash Hank the money and that Allie's call was his way of telling Mike Cyrus's new name or her way of telling Mike Cyrus's new name. Uh, Arya says that she doesn't care if Mike is working for Allison. She doesn't want him to get hurt and Cyrus is dangerous. Spencer says that they will follow Cyrus as soon as they can, but if they march in now, it will not get them anywhere. Presra calls and aria declines the call, but in fact, it is Hannah.
0: Um, I like the fact that despite the fact they're outside of the diner and in the diner there was like a jukebox that seemed to be playing and it was like full of diner sounds. As soon as Aria's phone goes off quickly, the liars all like shush her and tell her to turn it off. Um, Yeah. They're they're acting like they're
1: right next to him or something. It's weird.
0: (laughs) Um, So I have an idea uh, for the liars in this particular scene. Um, Why don't they call Toby and be like, Hey, Cyrus Petrillo is in this diner. Like, they could either arrest him for kidnapping Allie if they still believe he kidnapped her. Or they yes. could arrest him for making a false statement to the police. Like, certainly yes. for one of those things they could arrest him. The, the only reason I can think of that they don't is because Toby is so much of a cop right now that he would arrest Cyrus and Mike Montgomery and probably the liars just for good measure.
1: Oh, yeah. And he'd, like, bring Tanner just so she could, like, rub it in their faces. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yep.
0: Uh, Back at the brew, we see that it is really Hannah who left her phone at her dad's office and has borrowed Prezra's phone to try and contact the other liars. Prezra offers to let her call Emily, but Hannah is just going to head home. But as she leaves, she just happens to catch sight of a magical flyer for the glass slipper pageant grand prize, a $20,000 scholarship.
1: And Hannah smiles with a smile that tells us that Bang Bang is in our future. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of funny because this is very much a hurry up and wait thing where they were like, Spencer, you've got to meet us here. We've got to do this thing. And now they just have all this time to like wait and sort of like process the day's events outside of the car, uh, Emily, Aria, and Spencer. Uh, Because during this huddle up, Emily admits that she told Prezra about SCAD. Uh, Aria isn't mad. She says she should have told him and she doesn't even know really what's going on with them or what they are anymore. They question this idea of does anyone have a perfect high school experience? Uh, Spencer tells Emily that at least her love life isn't confusing, which is interesting in that that would imply that Emily has not told them about Talia because Spencer actually references Paige there. Uh, just then, they get an A text. It is pictures of the vials of Aria, Spencer, and Hannah's blood with a note that says, thanks for donating to my Get Into Jail Fund. Uh, in the time that they were looking down at this text, it seems, Cyrus and Mike have just disappeared. Uh, and the they, they think the envelope was full of blood, not cash. Uh, they are pursued suddenly by Cyrus on a motorcycle, who announces that he doesn't like being followed. He kind of corners them, and Spencer says that he has something that belongs to them, and they want it back. He offers a trade, but just then, big man Andrew walks in with his baseball bat, telling Cyrus to get away from the liars. Cyrus does a strange little waggle of his fingers that seems to suggest, you got me, and then speeds off. I feel that this save from Andrew was not wildly necessary or helpful, considering that they have gotten now zero information out of Cyrus. I also find Andrew's narrative of the liars quite fascinating.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, I think that one of the issues, like, this is supposed to be a big moment of Andrew seeming like a hero, uh, but Cyrus, he doesn't seem intimidating at all here. Like, he is... He is on the motorcycle, but sitting on the bike, he's like sort of lower to the ground than the Liars are. So they like, they they seem taller than him. There are more of them than there are of him. Uh, It doesn't, he doesn't seem wildly menacing. I think that uh, Noel would be much more effective in this role as like a person for the Liars to be like legitimately afraid of.
1: Yeah, there's something about Cyrus he seems like somebody who's like had a lot of football. It seems like some, there's something, there's something just not. He doesn't seem particularly intelligent. He doesn't seem particularly menacing. He just sort of seems like a dumb patsy a little bit and like somebody who's like pretty easy to manipulate. And so it's like he's not that scary. He's not that physically imposing. Um, Yeah, it's very weird. Also, what do you make of the fact that Emily has not seemingly told the liars anything about Talia?
0: Oh, I hate it. Like, we're supposed to believe that she discussed the Talia mess with Caleb, but not Spencer?
1: Yeah. Super weird. I don't like
0: that at all. And I also don't really like that Spencer, instead of asking Emily how things are going, just extrapolates that although she must be missing Paige a lot at least her love life isn't full-on confusing. Like, don't tell your friend how they feel. Ask them what's going on with them.
1: Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, to me, it's also, like, further indication of the of the way that, like, the Predator game works, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, isolate the teen from her friends. They can't talk to the friends about the relationship. You know? Yeah. Oh, especially because now, like, Emily knows that she's married, so now it's, like, extra messy, yeah. yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, Hannah is filling out an application or an entry form or some kind of paperwork for the pageant. Uh, Ashley comes into the kitchen with her phone and they talk about Tom being a d- dismissive and bad dad. Um, Ashley hopes that Hannah is not looking for validation in the pageant world, but Hannah says, no, it's the $20,000 scholarship that she's after. Uh, the conversation switches to Ted, how he still has not called, But Hannah thinks that Ashley should reach out and fight for the man she loves. Because, again, she must love him, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) When Hannah looks at her phone, she has, like, an absolute ton of missed calls and messages from the other liars.
1: Yeah, I also just feel like her being all, you know, tell him to take you back, like... That's what Hannah and Caleb always do is just, like, demand to each other that, like, they take each other back because they have to rather than actually, like, working through any of their problems. Um, and I feel like if Ashley wanted to fight for Ted, she would fight for Ted, you know? Um, but I do really like Ashley being so knowing about, like, what Tom said and, like, not being mad at Hannah. Like, just understanding and clearly feeling so sad for Hannah that, like, this is her dad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Talia texts Emily asking if they can talk. Emily says that it is not a good time. She is outside. She is dealing with some garbage cans. But Talia is right there in her car like a creep. Uh, presumably, she has either followed Emily home, creepy, or gotten Emily's address from Presra or the employee files that he just has laying around. Also creepy, creepy in a different way. And uh, basically just, you know, appears here, not really giving Emily any choice in the matter of whether or not to have this conversation.
0: Oh, uh You are a sweet little summer child if you do not believe as I do that Talia has known for several episodes where Emily lives and has probably done a few drive-bys of the neighborhood and Emily's house prior to this moment.
1: That is that is true. But so okay, do you think how do you think she got that information? Do you think she got it from Prezra? Or do you think she
0: got I mean from Prezra or from the files that he obviously just leaves out because he's trying to look like a busy businessman? every hour of the day
1: yeah yeah i yeah i i it is interesting to imagine how much talia and prezra actually talk about what's going on like how much they're they're kind of on the like predator message boards (laughs) (laughs) well
0: i feel like this move the mo is so similar to prezra that it's disturbing like oh, can we talk now? And Emily's like, no, now's not a good time. But like, oh, surprise, I'm already here and I'm not going to let you have that boundary. Like that is yes. that is classic, classic pressure. I feel.
1: Yes, for sure, for, for sure.
0: Uh, so Ari and Spencer arrive back at the house of Hastings to find yet another awful man lurking in the Hastings kitchen. Yep, it's Johnny Garbage Artist. For a family that does as many murders and cover-ups of murders and assorted crime things, you would think they would be way more careful about total randos having constant access to the house when they are not home. Uh, also, we learn that Spencer has been accidentally eating Johnny's frozen foods. Uh, is there no fridge or kitchen in the barn? Like, what on earth? That That's not like that's not a rental unit then. Huh. Uh, anyway, Spencer kind of like does this thing where she's like you're right I did have a little bit of fun last night um they have a bit of back and forth about boundaries uh and and we're supposed to like he's like I'm trying to have one right now as if like to imply he has like an uncontrollable urge to like kiss Spencer and try to become involved with her but he's trying to you know be the better man and hold back um it's, like, a somewhat flirty exchange, but only because Troyan has chemistry with everyone. Uh, Toby is mostly an angry block of wood, but Johnny is not a lot better. He's, like, a pasty and slightly greasy-looking block of wood.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's another, like, super just paint-by-numbers, fill-in-the-blank of, like, the, you know, I'm trying to control myself, I'm trying to have boundaries, lingering, dot, 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 Good night, Spencer. You know, it's, like, it's so obvious um also i really really hate that she is like well first of all i hate that like she is apologizing to him in this scene for the food thing um after like this really like pretty awful deception that he pulled on her and like seemed to feel no remorse about um and that like the fact that she had fun the fact that she had fun is irrelevant like he tricked her into doing something illegal that could get her into trouble. And he like, she did not provide consent for any, anything about that encounter. She she didn't have informed consent. So it really, the way that the story basically acts like Spencer's enjoyment of the experience cancels out the like lack of informed consent really bothers me.
0: Oh yeah. Informed consent is like not having a good episode here at all.
1: Right. Oh, no, not at all. Oh, boy. <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> that continues into the next scene. Uh, Tal- or Emily really is having one of her patented uh, on the field's front porch lesbian chit chats with Talia, who is explaining that she and her husband, Eric, had been dating since they were kids and got married right after high school. He knows that she is attracted to women and has to live her truth. They still love each other, but it's no longer romantic. Emily asks, why stay with him? Talia says that he is her best friend and has been with her through everything. She knows that this is complicated, which no one wants. Emily says that she's starting to think that there's no such thing as simple. Talia says that she shouldn't have lied, but she didn't want to scare Emily away, and she tells her that she's sorry. Emily says that there are things she isn't ready to share things that would scare talia away and she takes talia's hand now there are so many presra things that we could compare this to the one that i immediately actually hit on was not the book but it was the presra wealth where it's the it's almost like the issue is less the secret itself Then the fact that you are keeping a secret for the sake of keeping secrets and sort of for the sake of overcomplicating this dynamic to the point that you further isolated your teen paramour into this little web of lies and further drawn the circle around the two of them. Like there are a lot of things that are wrong about Talia pursuing (laughs) Emily, but had she said from the get go, had she explained all of this from the get go? And said, I am married. My husband and I are best friends. I mean, we will also learn in the next episode that, like, that is not her husband's <laughs> understanding of this arrangement at all. Um, but, like, if she, had, if that is genuinely, if we're, like, if we're giving Talia the benefit of the doubt here. If we're saying that Talia, this is somehow Talia's understanding of the arrangement of her marriage. She could have explained this to Emily at any point. But I feel like part of. Part of all of this, part of the courting ritual is the secret, and then the reveal of the secret, and then the sort of woe is me. Nobody would accept me for who I am. Nobody would want to be with me. And now Emily is the one to have to be like, I understand. I have secrets too. Much like Noel Khan, I have secrets too. And Noel Khan has really gotten a lot of shout outs for not being in this episode, <laughs> as he should. Um, and it's so reminiscent of so much Presria stuff where like then Aria has to be the one to kind of like double down on her attraction and affection. This is like a masterclass in manipulation that Talia is pulling here. Oh my
0: God. I, I mean, it totally, totally is. Um, like Talia is an adult and she is coming at this teenager with just a, a whole bag of weasel words in her pocket. Like, Her husband knows that she, quote, needs to be true to herself, which is both a broad and meaningless statement. Like, it implies some kind of non-monogamy without ever spelling it out. And if Talia is willing to deceive him, like someone she claims to love and value and has made a commitment to, like, how is Emily supposed to trust her, to be honest, in their situationship? And like, what exactly is Talia's position on her marriage? Is she, like, is she not interested in leaving her husband? Is she not interested in leaving because she's comfortable in that relationship or because she doesn't want to hurt her partner? Like, we live in a world where, like, marriage does not have to look only one way and where our definitions of, you know, of partnership are expanding in a lot of very positive ways. But this seems to pretty clearly be a situation where What Talia actually wants is to fuck around and be emotionally greedy with no hard consequences.
1: Right. And have the like this weird stability and security of this marriage. Also, I love how all of this has this like side order of patented PLL bisexual erasure where it's like Talia's interest in women is framed as proof of her disinterest in her husband. Mm -hmm. Which is like, very weird draw she could be a bisexual person that wouldn't make any of this storytelling okay but like it's weird to me that it's like it's just very strange like it's very strange the way they frame this they don't have talia call herself gay or a lesbian they have her refer to her interest in women but it's very yeah it's very weird well, and and later it's gonna seem like
0: her husband doesn't. He didn't take her revelation very seriously that she was interested in women. Like he yes. didn't. He like didn't think it was real, or he didn't understand like that it meant that she was no longer interested in him. Like it obviously seems like she has been using some some weasel words on people. But it's also telling that she's getting interested in it. You know, she she's trying to pursue a teenager here. I would like to think, I mean, not, you know, not that like I in my early twenties would have like been like wise to, to the way that she's acting here, but I do think that like Emily as a teenager, she doesn't really have the life experience or the resources, like the emotional resources to really see what Talia is about. Like, and, yeah. and that's gonna help Talia if she wants to keep this from her husband. Like Emily is not in a position to be like making as much trouble as if Talia were like trying to involve herself with like a grown adult who would be like wanting like a real relationship with her.
1: Well, much in the same way that like a grown woman like Jackie Molina would be able to see through Prezra's bullshit, you know, Mm -hmm. like he has so much more control when it's this teenage girl and her first real relationship. Also like, Emily is already clearly not talking about this relationship with her friends. This is just like, like Talia's already got her in the palm of her hand. And now she's just like closed her fist, you know?
0: Yeah, this is, this is a mess. I would really say that like, I mean, if Emily wanted to get involved with someone who already had a primary partner, like that's, that's up to her. Like it's up to Emily what kind of relationship she wants to get into here. But I just feel like Talia did not give a fuck about Emily having informed consent before they started walking down this path that Talia put them on. Like she was pursuing Emily. This wasn't like, this wasn't something that Emily was like seeking out all on her own. Uh, And also the way that Talia, when she says she started dating Eric, she names him and therefore like humanizes the story, but also saves her from having to refer to him as her husband. Like,
1: yeah, she's really, point.
0: like, sh- she is just really, you know, this. I've got to say, if you're ever in a situation where someone is giving you a story like this, I think the number one most salient question to ask is like, if your partner were explaining the status of your relationship to me, right. what would they say? Right. Because, like, as we're going to find out, it is often like their understanding is often
1: very different. Well, the other thing is, like, you know, we I mentioned how, like, no mention of bisexuality is in here. Also no mention of, like, a poly relationship. Like, that is right. a very different thing than what is being portrayed here. PLL has a very bad track record with poly relationships as the perfectionist and the weird, like, oh Spanish God. professor. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: Bruce but, tests. Is he... Is he a Spanish? Player? Is he a, is he a dance instructor? He's yeah, like whatever, a prof- whatever professor of, kind of, of
1: tango or something. <laughs>
0: uh, Ren Antonio Banderas.
1: Exactly, and it's like because that would also be a very different thing if Talia was like, you know, my husband and I have, you know we we are in an open relationship like again there's like <laughs> no informed like... consent has been happening like it's one of those things where it's like how do you even reframe this conversation when Talia has made so many has like thrown up so many red flags already
0: I I feel like I feel like Talia is implying that she is in an open marriage like she's saying like we're together, but it's not romantic, but he knows that I like women. He knows I need to be true to myself. Like she's saying a lot of stuff to imply that like, it's not really cheating. Like, but uh, you know, clearly, clearly uh, she and her husband, like if it's an open marriage, he he was not aware that it had been
1: opened. Right, right. Well, and yeah, it's a little bit like Allison getting to use all of the words except bisexual to describe <laughs> herself. It's like, you know, what are we actually trying to say about this thing? Why are yeah? Why are we? Why are we shying away from any of the actual language? Like, what's going on here? Ah, uh, yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. Talia is worse than I remembered. Way worse.
0: Like, like rewatching this. At first, I was like, oh, maybe I'm gonna like her more, but. Oh my god, no. She is like a real contender for the worst person in this episode.
1: Yeah, she's really bad. She's really really bad. Um, so <laughs> Arya has apparently fled to Spencer's house. <laughs> <laughs> she, they, she and she and Hannah it seems like packed a bag and fled in the night because Arya is terrified to be home alone with Mike. Yeah, they're like so, they're
0: on the lam. Yes, the vibe that they have
1: suddenly swole Mike and his vials of blood, like Arya. <laughs> things, um, but they wonder what to do now. Uh, Hannah suggests, you know, wait till A paints the town with their DNA, and all of this could go down very quickly. Uh, Spencer says that Hannah is the queen of not helping, you know, Hannah has had a rough day and also like, she's making some good points. So like, calm down, be nice to Hannah. Um, they talk about how they should have all spent the summer in Haiti. And like, again, Emily is super isolated from her friends and from this conversation. Spencer goes downstairs in like a semi sketchy way. She's like, I have to get a blanket. And it's kind of weird the way she does it. But when she goes downstairs to get another blanket, we see that, bum, 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 Mike is peeking in on them in a very, like, I don't know what it is about Mike. I don't know what it is about Cody Christian. There's something that just, his face next me, like, it just never does. And so when he's, like, peering in on them, I'm just kind of like, oh, hey, Mike.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Spencer might still be doing her acting from the blood draw. She <laughs> almost she almost seems hypnotized when she goes yeah. downstairs. Like <laughs> it's,
1: it's very sleeping beauty walking to the walking to the the spindle thing, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. So who knows? Maybe Mike hypnotized her uh, with his swole abs. She's, you know <laughs> <laughs> she
1: is susceptible to that. Yes, yes, agreed.
0: Uh, a tag a is rewatching the video of Hannah and Caleb planning to burn the evidence in the storage unit and roll the barrel into the woods on a loop. Uh, Just you know, a fun Saturday night out in a town. Uh, While doing this A is also removing some of the evidence from the plastic bags and taking a vial of Hannah's blood to drop 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 on the clothes. This is not looking good for the Liars.
1: No, it is not looking good for the Liars. Um, So, who, who is the worst human of this episode? That's the oh, big question.
0: I mean, so many contenders. I think that Andrew... I'm actually going to eliminate Andrew from the running. He was a creep, but I don't think he was worse than Talia, Tom, or Johnny.
1: Okay, I would agree with that. Talia... Tom or Johnny. Okay, so who who of those do you think is the worst?
0: Well, I mean, Tom is, like, like, trying to ruin Hannah's life. But Tom is also exactly the same person we have always known him to be. Like, he didn't really, like, increase his level of being the worst in this episode. Yeah. He was already willing to let Ashley and Hannah be homeless previously. And he was willing to let Ashley just, like, rot in jail while Hannah had no one to take care of her and was living alone in the Marin house. So I feel like this is like part and parcel of Tom's whole deal.
1: Yes. Okay, so then that would leave Talia and Johnny. Mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. uh,
0: Yeah, who do you think has the edge? They, they both had obviously very large informed consent issues going on. Who, who do you think is worse of those two?
1: I think Johnny is less sympathetic in his approach. I think what Talia does is ultimately more damaging. Because I think, first of all, I think Emily is a lot more naive than Spencer. But also, I think that, like... Talia is clearly trying to, like, set up a relationship trajectory. I think Johnny is just kind of, like, a little asshole who's seeing how much he can get away with. Um, Talia is, like, being, like, actively super manipulative in ways that have the potential to have really lasting implications and ramifications for multiple characters.
0: Yeah, I, I think because she is tracking so close to Prezra, I think that Talia is probably the worst.
1: Yeah. Tom Marin, though, I mean, he gets he gets a special he gets like an honorary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The
0: the baddest dad of all the bad dads. Like, (laughs) I mean, and so really to be worse than Peter Hastings and Byron Montgomery, like you got to You got to wake up pretty early. You got to really eat your like being a dick Wheaties. Uh, But Tom, Tom has been doing it
1: he you know he trained hard he's like been he's been working you know toiling away and like he he did it it would be very interesting to know what kate's take on tom is
0: oh i mean i think i think that kate and isabel probably both just see him as a big fat wallet like i don't yeah. i don't yeah. think that either of them have much like affection or care for him
1: at all agreed agreed that makes sense um do we have any more that we want to say about out damned spot
0: no i'm just so excited for us to get to next week when we're going to have a real bang bang episode
1: it is a banger of a time (gasps) pretty isn't the point uh yeah it's it's so, it's so fun. I also just feel like I'm looking it up now. This episode, Pretty this Isn't The Point, came out in early 2015. I feel like it is, it is so, um, there is nothing more quintessentially 2015 than Bang Bang being performed on Pretty Little Liars. You know, like, I feel like that is, that is pop culture 2015 right there
0: hard to argue
1: cuz that song was everywhere at that time like
0: it it was it was everywhere but like now whenever i hear that song this is all that i think of
1: oh completely completely yeah um yeah it's going to be really fun it's going to be really fun uh yeah if if you have thoughts on uh on who the worst human of this episode was uh, you can of course send us an email at everybodyapodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our Instagram at everybodyapodcast. You can also iTunes. We would appreciate it. Uh any more, any more we have to say about about this one? I don't think so. All right. Well, until next time when we bang bang into the room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> take
0: care.